3: Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. We are deep into the final hour of today's episode of this program. Back in early May, this was about five months ago, House Republicans launched the China Task Force. At the center of it were allegations that China uh, failed to disclose key information uh, early in the COVID-19 outbreak. Task force members investigated, and two of our Utah congressmen are key members uh, of that task force. We'll talk to uh, both of them today. Representative John Curtis uh, joins us first. About 15 minutes from now, we'll be joined by Representative Chris Stewart. Uh, Congressman Curtis, sir, how are you? Good, Lee. Always a pleasure. Hey, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about last night, first off. We'll get to China in just a moment, but uh, but if if you don't mind, for just a moment, could you share uh, some of your brief reaction to what took place on the debate stage in Ohio last night?
1: I think it was painful. I think no matter what political side you come from, you would find that a very painful 90 minutes.
3: There was, I can remember when the task force launched, I had a conversation with, Uh, You know, then candidate for governor of Utah, uh, John Huntsman, Jr., served as ambassador uh, to China. I asked him about the task force and he he said something uh, to me during that conversation that has stuck with me. And I am reminded of last night after watching the debate. And it is that China uh, has a laser focus on either the unity or disunity or division here in the United States. And when we are divided, uh, we are weak. Uh, Can you speak to that at all?
1: Well, uh, certainly. I mean, and that's, you know, to your point, we did not show uh, our best hand to the world uh, last night and uh, not just China, but Russia and others who would uh, malign us or do us harm uh, would certainly encourage uh, that uh, type of discord and, and division here in the United States.
3: All right. Well, let's get into this document. I have before me just got my hands on about 141 pages, a lot of uh, a lot of words, a lot of findings, a lot of recommendations. <laughs> uh, but what can you share with us from that report? What stands out to you? What were your biggest findings?
1: Well, I think if to boil it down to the simplest uh, form possible, uh And and let me clarify, too, before I do that, the difference between when we say China, we're not talking about the Chinese people. Right. I spent three years over in the Orient, and and we have great respect for the Chinese people and the Chinese culture. Uh, Our bone to pick is with the the Communist Party of of China. And so uh, by way of clarification, that's what we're talking about. And it is clear uh, that they are not our friend and not a friend of the United States, that they're trying to undermine the United States in every corner of the world and through every means possible, And um, that that I don't say lightly, uh, but I also say it after months and months of intense studying. uh, We had four, five, six briefings per week, some of them classified for for months. This was a deep dive.
3: Your task force met with some 125 people to draft this report. Who did you talk to?
1: Oh, my goodness. We talked to industry. We talked to, to political leaders. We talked to ambassadors from other countries. We talked to uh, people who do business in China. It was, it was a vast array of people, and each one uh, brought a, a unique story and perspective to us.
3: In the, in the report, or at least in the, the the executive summary I was able to get my hands on earlier, there is an allegation uh, that uh, the the Chinese Communist Party had silenced uh, certain medical information coming out of. Uh, China, allowing the COVID-19 to become a global pandemic. What did you find that led to that conclusion?
1: Well, it's not just an allegation, it's, it's fact. Um, and uh, the, the scientist that first came across it w- was forced to sign a document uh, that he had been wrong. And um, later on, he's the one, the doctor that died uh, from, from the virus. We, we lost a, at least about a month uh, that we could have been responding to this uh, sooner, had uh, the Chinese government been more forthright in coming forward with the details.
3: Mm. Uh, recommendations. Uh, I understand the report itself is jam-packed full of recommendations. On this COVID-19 front, what are what are some of the recommendations you put forth?
1: Well, let me first, uh, to your point of recommendations, there are over 400 uh, recommendations. And um, what I'm really proud of and the task force is really proud of is that these were bipartisan recommendations. We, we genuinely regret uh, that the, the Democrats wouldn't join us on this. They were, they said they would uh, right up until we t- forced, formed the task force. They said they would be part of it. Uh, this needs to be a bipartisan effort. We cannot accomplish what we need to do if um, if it's not a bipartisan effort. We've worked hard. About half the bills that are are suggested that we move forward are bills that already have strong bipartisan support, uh, uh, co-sponsors from both parties, and a number of members from both parties, co-sponsors. And so every recommendation we've tried to, to put forward in a way that would not be offensive to either party and would be um, in, in harmony. And, um, it, you know, in COVID, one of the things that's difficult is the, it's out of the gate, right? We, we can't go backwards. But clearly, uh, one of the things that comes out of the report is an awareness that uh, China played their hand poorly in this. And um, not only did they hit play their hand poorly, they made specific decisions like limiting flights uh, out of Wuhan to China, but encouraging domestic travel, um, which, of course, uh, really gave the rest of the world a disadvantage, not knowing what China knew at the time.
3: the. the- the task force itself, as you just mentioned, was comprised only of Republicans. It, though, as you've now characterized, it contains recommendations uh, that push forward uh, bipartisan legislation. Uh, I, I, you know, as you know... I was a congressional aide for a long time and I, I, I see many yeah. reports come forth and I see many reports that include recommendations. What sets this one apart and, and how confident are you that this that this effort undertaken by the task force uh, will find cooperation, necessary cooperation uh, to push forward some of these recommendations to mitigate uh, this threat posed to us by the Chinese Communist Party?
1: Well, let me ask you answer your question first about why this is different. This is different because. You've seen back here. A lot of times, people will come together for a few weeks and put something forward, mm-hmm. or it will be a group, you know, a small group of people. This was a a massive uh, effort over months and months and months of time, and those who undertook this made commitments. And, and you know what our times like back here? We we all made commitments of of you know attending these three or four or five or six briefings per week for for months, and uh, the, the number of people that we talked to and the depth that we went into. Really is is something most of us have not seen back here. There are members, uh, you know, on the committee. They've been here for many, many years, and that's why it's different. This is sound uh, policy. This is deep policy. This isn't off the cuff or responding to uh, current trends. This is meant to be a long-term document. And, and let me say also, um this is not saying that we should discontinue our relationship with China. Uh, i compared it to, you know, we're not asking for a divorce. We we just need some marriage right. counseling for the, for the relationship. <laughs> yeah. Broken. It needs to be healed. And, and, and those of us on the task force, we're not talking about decoupling. We're talking about fixing a broken relationship. We can't pretend China doesn't exist. It wouldn't be in our best interest to just uh, break everything off with of them. We need this relationship and we need it to be healthy.
3: Yeah. And, and that nuance is important. I'm glad you brought that up. We are this isn't we're not talking about uh, you know, a, a nation with whom we are at war. Uh, there is. And I think you put it uh, very well. We need some marriage counseling. Uh, we need to uh, like smooth the edges. We need to uh, figure this out so that things are equitable and safe. Uh, and that, uh, you know, that we don't find ourselves uh, in any uh, figurative or certainly literal crosshairs. Uh, so uh, thank you for that. Con- Congressman Curtis, uh, what's the next step here? Is there a next step? This report gets delivered to whom and w- what happens next?
1: So uh, today we released the report. That was a big deal for us. And it, it, it represents months and months of work. The next step is start to implement uh, our recommendations. I mentioned there are over 400 There's lots of places to dig in. Uh, There's lots of places for Democrats and Republicans to come together. Um, Certainly, regardless of the outcome of the election, uh, we intend this to be a blueprint uh, for Congress and for the administration. Uh, We welcome, should the Democrats want to join us, we would be happy to to dive into this and to uh, make the accommodations needed in the report so that it could be 100 percent bipartisan. That has been our goal from the beginning, and and, uh, we really want to make sure that it's not just a political exercise, but that it, it really moves the needle in our relationship with China.
3: Very good. Uh, Congressman John Curtis, a member of the China Task Force, releasing a massive report today. I'll share that report on my Facebook page. You can check it out. It's a lengthy document, but an important document, including 400 policy recommendations, including bipartisan legislation. John Curtis, thank you so much for your time.
1: Well, you always. Happy to talk to
3: you. All right. Very good. Uh, We're going to take a break here, get a little bit of news. And when we return, as I mentioned, uh, it wasn't just John Curtis, Representative Curtis uh, representing uh, Utah on this task force. So, too, uh, was Representative Chris Stewart. He, uh, with his military background and position on an intelligence committee, uh, brought a unique perspective to the efforts of this task force. He will join us after the news, share what he observed, what he learns and what he expects to come next. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Final half hour of today's episode. As you well know, we've spent a lot of time talking about the debate of last night, if you can call it a debate. We're almost done with that, I can assure you. And very soon we'll be looking forward, forward not only to uh, the next presidential debate, but also uh, the vice presidential debate, which uh, Utah will play home for as the candidates. For vice president arrive at the campus of U uh, University of Utah. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, We'll be broadcasting uh, here uh, throughout the entire day. The whole KSL News Radio team. We're moving up uh, to University of Utah. We'll be there covering the debate all day long. All right. Uh, Before the break, you heard a a conversation we had with Utah Congressman John Curtis, and it stems from an effort kicked off in early May, nearly five months ago. House Republicans launched. The China task force. And at the center of it, uh, allegations that China had failed to disclose key information uh, early in the COVID 19 outbreak task force uh, members uh, investigated uh, they set out to work and today have released the report it's a 141 page document i have it here in front of me Uh, just got my hands on it haven't been through it uh, in its entirety Uh, congressman curtis gave us a good glimpse of what is contained within and to share even more with us i am now joined by congressman chris stewart second member uh, from utah's delegation to represent us on this china task force congressman stewart sir how are you
2: Great to be with you, Lee, and it was so fun to, to be on this task force with with John Curtis.
3: Yeah, man. Uh,
2: you know, he is a great member of Congress, and this was this was an elite uh, effort. I mean, every member of every Republican member, and even, even the Democrats, uh, wanted to be on this. They wanted to be involved, and the fact that you had two members from Utah, I think, kind of is a great illustration that although we're a small delegation, we seem to to uh, you know, to hit above our weight sometimes. And John is a great example of that. And uh, it was a good experience for me to, to be able to serve with him. But, no, this is this is a meaningful work. In some ways, uh, it's some of the most meaningful stuff that we'll do in Congress. And it's this is a document that will be used for years into the future as we kind of reference, okay, here's our challenges. What are we going to do about it?
3: Yeah, The report contains 400 recommendations. Uh, Congressman Curtis let us know that many of those uh, are suggestions to push forward bipartisan pieces of legislation. Uh, You you say to combat the threat posed by the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, Of all those recommendations, what would you say the number one policy recommendation uh, would be and needs to be enacted immediately?
2: Oh my gosh, that's an impossible question. I'm sorry. I, I, I uh, it's just very, very difficult for me to say the number one. So can I cheat and sure. give you two or two or maybe three?
3: I'll, I'll take three. Uh, and, Let's hear them.
2: Okay, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to, you know, defer. But it really, it is really kind of difficult. Uh, and you know, my specialty was in the in the national security realm, uh, particularly on some of the highly sensitive programs uh, that we are working with. And I would put one of the very highest. Uh, the work we're doing with quantum computing. Um, And and a lot of people have heard of quantum computing, but they don't really know what it is, and it's a very, very sensitive. It's one of the most sensitive subjects that we deal with on the Intel side. But essentially, you, you have a winner, and then you have everyone else is a loser. There is no second place in quantum computing. And whoever is the first to master this will own the realm in intelligence and in encryption. And it is a race we absolutely have to win. I mean, it is as as important that we win this race as it was in World War II to be the first to develop a nuclear weapon. Uh, and, by the way, it's not something where we're saying, well, we got to, in the next eight years, understand the theory of relativity. We understand quantum computing. Now it's just a matter of committing the resources to win that race. And we are neck and neck on this. It's, we don't have a significant lead with uh, our Chinese competitors on this. Uh, and, it's, and it's something that we, we we have to get right. So I would put that. And, and again, some some of the national security concerns, you know, hypersonic missiles, artificial intelligence, there's a number of things there, Lee. Uh, But cheating now and saying, okay, that's one of them, but there's some others. Uh, The second is in disentangling our financial resources. I was having a really interesting conversation with some, some members of the committee and other financial experts yesterday. About the, the IPO of Ant, which is, you know, a, 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 uh, a Chinese conglomerate, It includes Alibaba and others. It's kind of the equivalent of their alphabet, which has, you know, a lot of very large, sure. successful companies underneath it. Ant is going to have their IPO. They anticipate that that will be the largest IPO in history. It's going to go. It's going to take place on the, on the on the Hong Kong stock exchange, and we have to ask ourselves: Is it smart for U.S. capital to be funneled through Hong Kong into Chinese companies? And, and that's one of the critical recommendations of this of this report is to try to disentangle not just supply chain, pharmaceuticals, and other you know personal protective equipment, et cetera, but to disentangle the financial incentives. Many times, where we we help China finance, which they then use against us. And and I think that's, you know, one of the most important recommendations as well.
3: Yeah. Uh, l- last question on this uh, task force report. Should the average everyday American be concerned by the rise of China and specifically the Chinese Communist Party?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely, and, and the good news on that is most Americans understand that now. A few years ago, they didn't. I mean, most Americans just considered China as this great company or this great comp- uh, country across the pond that made a lot of really cool iPhones for us and other things like that. Uh, the coronavirus has helped a lot of people understand they're not our partner. They, they are malicious in their intentions, and they were willing to seed this virus around the world when they could have stopped it. And, again, that has opened people's eyes. And the Chinese people, we have no quarrel with them. But the Chinese Communist Party absolutely is our adversary, and they absolutely have goals to dominate us. That's not an intelligence analysis. That's their own words, and they say it again and again and again. We will be the single most dominant influence in the world, the single most powerful nation in the world, and, and again, uh, I think the American people are beginning to understand how important that is.
3: Well, thank you for your work. For you. Thank you for your work on this task force, and we'll certainly track the progress of these recommendations. Be- before I let you go, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you. Uh, last night, a pretty uh, big debate, if you can call it that, took place in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, highlighted much division in this country. Uh, nations like China and Russia and others they look uh, at American division as a sign of weakness. Uh, How'd you respond last night? What are your reactions to the the debate of last night?
2: Well, you know, I think like a lot of Americans, it was hard to watch. You know, I mean, when I say that, I mean, in a literal sense, in the sense you couldn't understand what they were saying, because they were talking over each other all the time. And and it wasn't, I don't think, what many of us hoped. Uh, But your point about the divisions in our country and our adversaries wanting to foster that, unquestionably true. And not only to weaken our own own nation and to weaken that foundation of trust in democracy and trust in the electoral process, China and others, Vladimir Putin, they go around to the rest of the world and they point to the U.S. and say, look at that mess. Is that really what you want? Look how messy and and difficult democracy is. Why, Why don't you do it our way? And you know, and come with the security and the calmness of, of of having a totalitarian leader, and it can be compelling to some of these other nations when they look at us. I mean, no, there's no questionly that that division is used by those who oppose us. To, as I said, not only can it foster that weakness, but to look at other nations and say, you don't want to be like the U.S. You want to be like us.
3: Yeah, uh, Unity is a tactical move, is a strategic move, and it strengthens us. Congressman Stewart, thank you for your time. Thank you for your work on this task force. Uh, again, look forward to uh, monitoring the progress of, of these uh, numerous recommendations as we look to uh, bolster our security against threats posed by the Chim- Chinese Communist Party. Thank you. Thank you so much. All righty. We're going to take a quick break, and in the final segment of today's episode, we'll be speaking with Senator Mike Lee. Yeah, I know. We we, we spoke to him yesterday. He was on his way into a meeting with President Trump's nominee uh, to replace the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Amy uh, Coney Barrett. He has since met with her. We'll find out how that meeting went with Senator Mike Lee next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.